Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. On July 29, 2015, a piece of wreckage suspected to be from the flight MH370 was found on Reunion Island, which sits to the east of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. The following day on July 30th, I had an interview with radio station CKTB of Ontario, Canada. This is the Larry Fedorik Show on News Talk 610 CKTB. So number one, I am going with Reunion Island. Let's just get that out of the way real quickly here because um, I've heard it pronounced Reunion, which I believe is probably correct, Uh, but... um, I'm going with reunion because I think the majority of people in the world are going with reunion. All right. Uh, Let's talk about uh, MH370. All right. MH370 disappeared in March of 2014. That's how long it's been. And here we are uh, now, this week, over the last couple of days, finally looking at a piece of debris that would be the first piece of hard evidence to do with that ill-fated flight. I should mention again, Dr. Todd Curtis is coming up here in about 10 minutes' time. He's an aviation expert. I don't want to step on anything. We're going to discuss about how this piece would get there. Could it be it? What do they have to do to identify it? The latest I've heard now is that it may take a week. I've heard one expert this morning say that it sh- it should be known by now that the time has passed that has passed between the discovery and now they should already be able to tell. I don't know why they cannot, but you know uh, we shall see. Meanwhile, on this little island off Madagascar. They, um, off the tip of Africa, in the Indian Ocean, um, they are combing the beaches. They've got helicopters flying in the immediate area around the island to see if anything else, debris-wise, is in that particular area. If you look at the uh, currents, if I can kind of describe to you, uh, if you had a big circle... And in the left part of the middle of the circle was Reunion Island. And in the right part of the circle was Australia. Okay? And then you could also see tips of India, and, and you could see Kuala Lumpur in the circle. But but that's the idea. Reunion is on the left. Australia is kind of on the little bit of a lower right in this big circle. So that's our area. And if you look near Australia... That's where uh, they think the plane went down. And if you look at the currents, the currents, I think they're called gyres, in this particular area in the Indian Ocean, it's, it's, not, it's a great, great area, so I'm not trying to tell you that it's a swirl or a whirlpool because it's the ocean, but the, the, the currents are kind of circular. They go up... sort of counterclockwise at an angle, remember we're going from the right side of the circle in Australia, up towards India, then across, and then down towards Madagascar. And it kind of makes sense that if, if, based on what 
they think they know, because they don't know for sure, of where the plane might have gone down, it would make sense that a plane part would end up on reunion. Does that mean now they can go to that one spot and say, well, that's where the plane went down? No, no. Because it's the ocean. Because it's looking for a needle in a haystack when the haystack is constantly moving. So, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, the Some experts have said, and we'll talk to Dr. Curtis about this, that this came from a Boeing 777. And Flight 370 is the only Boeing 777 known to be missing. Now, you look at where the majority of the families of the passengers are from. They are from China. And there is still a great sense of disbelief, even in this information. Because for them, it's been... How long has it been? Um, April, May, June, July. So it's been about 17 months. It's been a year and a half, give or take. And a lot of these people received, uh, at the beginning, no information, misinformation. Uh, we can, I think we can accept that when families gathered in China and said, all right, we'll, we'll wait here for authorities to give us some light, give us some insight, that it, the, the communication there was just terrible. Consequently, and you add to that, I think, some of the general suspicion, um, a sense of loss, a sense of hope, a sense of hope against hope, uh, holding out for any little piece of, of good news. You you put this, this great ball of emotions in the stomach, in the pit of these family members, and let it swirl around there for 18 months. I expect their reaction to be what it is. We don't believe it. If somebody stands up and go, we have definitive proof, this is a wing piece from the plane, we can at least now say it's it went down. There are hundreds of people, family members in China, who go, we don't believe you. Where are they really? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Even one woman today who was interviewed said, if it's real, it's my last little bit of hope. Reality is going to have to cut in. Reality. She knows the reality. She just chooses not to live there. And I wouldn't either. That's not a criticism. I wouldn't either. I think I would hold out hope against hope also for as long as I possibly could until somebody showed me something like this. And we'll talk to Dr. Curtis about this. This wing piece also looks, and, and again, a lot has already been speculated on and said, but if a plane was trying to do a controlled, I don't know what it's called, but land on the ocean, we know we're going to crash into the ocean, so let's try and slow it down and ride this thing and maybe survive the crash, if that's what was being tried, we don't even know, um, then this piece would be the exact, your flaps would be down slowing down the plane as much as possible and this piece would be the exact kind of piece that would be ripped off if it was that kind of landing if so maybe that's a clue uh, it certainly doesn't narrow down the search area or uh, you know you, you can't now just take a few steps off Reunion Island and go oh there it is there it is because of the time that has passed the ocean currents the gyres all of it
aviation expert Dr. Todd Curtis next. So far, investigators have a high degree of confidence, that's one of the phrases I heard, a high degree of confidence that this piece that washed up is part of the missing Malaysian Airlines MH370 plane. Here to talk about this, the identification and and the possibilities here, the founder of airsafe.com, aviation expert, Dr. Todd Curtis, joining us. Hello, Dr. Curtis. Uh, good afternoon, Larry. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. First of all, what have they found here, a, a wing piece? is it? Uh, can we be more specific just by a visual of it? Well, again, uh, although I know quite a bit about aviation safety, I'm not an expert in structure, so this is a uh, somewhat educated guess, but it looks like a trailing-edge device for fairly large uh, jet transport. A trailing-edge device would be something like a, a flap or an aileron, something that will be on the back end of a wing or back end of a of a horizontal stabilizer. It's odd to find this big a piece, I guess, or, or, or lucky, or what, what would we say? I think uh, luck is one of the many words that we appropriate here because, again, the currents, although they're generally known about the Indian Ocean, to guess with any sort of certainty where any piece of debris may show up is uh, difficult to impossible. The fact that it was found on Reunion, I think, is a stroke of luck on several levels, uh, one of which being it's a French territory, so the French aviation authorities are taking control of that piece of wreckage, and I'm absolutely confident they have all the resources necessary to analyze the piece of wreckage, the marine life that's on it, and to draw conclusions about what it may say about where that piece came from. Interesting you bring up the marine life, yeah, because they're being very careful with every little piece of seaweed and barnacle, aren't they? That's correct, because depending on what kind of life it was, it can give you uh, some idea of either A, how long it was in the water, and B, what part of the ocean it may have been in. Now, again, I'm no marine biologist, uh, but I have been involved in aviation events at, uh, where the investigation took place in water, where sometimes a plane was missing for quite some time. And the corrosion, the marine life, uh, decomposition of any uh, uh, remains that are on board, all that figures into the investigation. Now it figures in, and uh, but really, when we talk about the the size of the uh, Indian Ocean, the size, of, you know, where these currents, how these currents flow, it, it, I don't, I'm not sure what it does to narrow down the uh, search, or does it? Well, assuming that all that is available from the airplane is this flaperon, a, a presumed flaperon from a triple seven. It can tell you several things. First, the examination of that, of that item could tell you whether or not there was some sort of catastrophic event that separated that from the rest of the aircraft. And the nature of that event could tell the investigators, potentially, what sort of forces were exerted on that piece of debris before it uh, started floating in the ocean. And certainly the fact that it was recovered on Reunion Island, although it's not clear when it may have actually uh, shown up on the beach. It may have been laying there for weeks or months for all we know. The fact that it showed up on Reunion Island would probably figure into changing some of the models that some of the investigators may have about where the flow of the ocean may have taken debris. I was reading today about gyres. I really not, had not heard them before, about them, uh, a large system of rotating ocean currents. That's correct. Every large uh, body of water, uh, Gulf of Mexico, Atlantic, Pacific, etc., have various kinds of flow patterns, some of which are large and circular in nature which over the course of many months uh, could allow something that's floating. For example, the debris from the Japanese uh, tsunami of a few years ago 
uh, allows something that's floating to go from one side of the ocean to the other after a period of time. Fascinating. So the identification of this piece, uh, you, you know, we're led to believe that it's as easy as matching serial numbers, is it? It depends on the device. Uh, aircraft, in general, uh, have all their parts tracked from the lot number when it was manufactured to an individual identification number for certain parts. So if this is a 777 flaperon, there could be several parts within that flaperon that would have identification on it that would either generally or very specifically associate that part and that flaperon with a particular aircraft. A specific aircraft, in other words, and not just not just triple sevens in general. That's correct. Uh, uh, every major uh, large transport aircraft has uh, pieces that may not fit another aircraft. If you have the same aircraft family, for example, the A340, Airbus A340, may have some systems, some parts that are in common with the A330 or the A320. But it's unlikely that you would have parts that would be common on both a Boeing aircraft and an Airbus aircraft. So even if they aren't able to identify the specific aircraft. I think we lost Dr. Curtis. We did. And uh, there he is. Dr. Todd Curtis is an aviation expert. He's the founder of uh, airsafe.com. We're trying to get him back on the line to continue this discussion about this this uh, piece of um, a wing part uh, that was found in Reunion Island. And he, he made a great point, which I don't think a lot of people have made, is we're not sure how long it was there. It has come to evidence over the last couple of days, but in fact may have been there for months. And uh, it seems like it came from a Boeing 777. Dr. Todd Curtis back with us. Dr. Curtis, is it possible that you, when you're talking about interchangeable parts, that um, a, pl a part from a plane that is interchangeable can be put on another plane without that being registered or something? So we have a serial number. Getting back to that, we automatically know which plane it'll, it belongs to. Well, without getting into great detail, uh, some parts of the aircraft are tracked more closely than others. Uh, for example, for a lot of regulatory reasons, it's absolutely essential that uh, parts that are repaired, parts that are interchanged, parts that are swapped out, that there is a, if you will, a chain of custody so that the uh, airline and the regulator would know that the particular part is approved to be on that airplane. A flapper-on is part of the flight control system. And it's very likely that the flaperon as a whole or parts of the flaperon would have been tracked individually uh, through the maintenance cycle. Do you know why a flaperon would break off on its own? Is there any speculation there? It's uh, indeed a possibility. A trailing edge device like that, a flap, aileron, etc. There have been cases in the past, especially with very large jet transports like the 747, where a flap or part of a flap might det detach in flight and might fall to the ground or fall into the water. To my knowledge, though, I'm not aware of any case anywhere in the world where there was a flaperon, aileron, trailing device, etc. that has fallen off of a 777 in flight and hasn't been accounted for. This is uh, the only 777 known to be missing was MH370? That's correct. All the other 777s have been accounted for. Uh, some have been lost to accident. Others have been retired. But as far as missing and unaccounted for, to my knowledge, that is the only one. Have there been incidents with 777s before? I'm sure we went through this in March of 2014, but I can't remember. Well, certainly. There was the shoot-down of MH17 uh, last July, 
as well as two years ago in uh, July 2013, there was a crash of a 777, Asiana uh, Airlines 777 in San Francisco. There was also in 2008 in, in London, an aircraft that landed short of the runway and was written off. I didn't realize those were all 777s. Hmm. That's correct. And also one more that burned up on the on the ground. I believe it was being operated as a cargo aircraft, and there was some sort of ground fire that uh, Egypt Air one, I believe, that was also destroyed. You mentioned that the uh, French, it's French territory there, have taken over the investigation. Uh, how active would Boeing itself be in that investigation? Well, the BEA, which is equivalent to the safety organizations of Canada and the U.S. when it comes to investigating aircraft accidents, are one of the top-ranked ones in the world, and they have extensive expertise and experience in dealing with aircraft investigations of all types. So very likely they're immediately working very closely with the active investigation firm H370. That would include the parties such as Boeing and Malaysia Airlines. And so they'll very likely be sharing, as we speak, information about what they found with all those parties. Well, here's an area where neither of us have, I'm sure the expertise, maybe you do, is is the politics of it now involved as well. Because uh, I know especially the families in China are not willing to believe much about the information they get from uh, either Malaysian Airlines or Malaysian government, so or their own government. Well, this entire affair from the, the start of this airplane uh, disappearing to now is unique in the annals of civil aviation history. Uh, first, to my knowledge, nothing has even come close to being literally a worldwide effort to try and find an aircraft. And second, because of the rules that are in place uh, for several decades, the country of registration was responsible for organizing the investigation. And quite frankly, Malaysia, and in, for that matter, no country on earth, including Canada and the U.S., could have on their own manage this affair because, again, it was so extensive. There are many critical things that were done, in my opinion, incorrectly by the Malaysian authorities early on, which led to large amounts of uh, distrust on the part of the families of those on board, not to mention uh, questioning in the media and in aviation circles as to the competence of the investigation. That said, where we are now, you have Australia responsible primarily for the search for the aircraft and will probably be responsible for some of the investigations should the wreckage be found in the South Indian Ocean. And you have other major parties, including the U.S., including Boeing, who are intimately involved in every level of the investigation. So at this point going forward, I have full faith that the investigation will go in a professional manner. Dr. Todd Curtis, thank you so much. For more information about this investigation, please visit mh370.airsafe.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.